0: hello (laughs) coming to you west of the rockies from the great southwest state of utah more specifically than that central utah yeah yeah somewhat central maybe a little bit south under central but this is conversations at midnight i'm your host you can Apparently I'm going by the name Tuesday now. Uh, but you can call me whatever you like. Tuesday, Rabbit. That was my nickname back in Florida. Rabbit, Rabs. They gave a nickname for a nickname. Go figure. So. to so wherever you may be. Connecting to you from the world wide web. Wherever you are. I Hope you have a good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. And I, uh... I especially hope everyone is doing well. Now, I know everyone's thinking, oh my goodness, uh, Tuesday, Rabs, whatnot. How did your six-day escapade in the forest go? Well, I have some news about that. I actually have several current events, uh, the one pertaining to me personally, and then certain things around the world, and then a very special, um, Little shout out that I'm going to give to a to a listener, but I'll get to that later. So in order, right? Um, the personal news. So I went on my little escapade. I went on my little forest faring adventure. <laughs> um, I unfortunately I actually did not do the whole six days. The day that I got there, we I didn't even last the day. The day that I got there, we were prepping. And, um, you know, we were prepping up tarping and, uh, preparing for the primitive camping style, you know? And so I, um, I grabbed myself, you know, I got ready. I got all my things, you know, I grabbed myself, my stuff and all that. And when it was time to tie up the bag, we had to crouch down. Okay. And when I crouched down, I felt this sharp pain in my knee. And it wasn't anything crazy where I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't stand. It was just like, just like a little prick, you know, just like a little sting. And I remembered months prior, probably like it was back in October, a little bit, it was little before I started the podcast, probably about two weeks before the first episode of the podcast came up. I was running, we were doing this Halloween scavenger hunt with a group of friends and myself. And I tweaked my knee, I guess I pivoted wrong or, and I... I mean I could walk on it fine. It you know, I didn't tear anything. I didn't. But then again, this is where it's challenging. I have an insanely high pain tolerance. My 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 whole family does. Anyone in my family that's blood related to me on my father's side. We have insanely high pain tolerance. I'm not so sure about my mother's side, but I know definitely from my father's. It's just this insane pain tolerance that's uh, almost superhuman. Like, I think I think the military would love us because of just how well we can do, like how well we can fight through pain. And it's not even fighting. It's not even a fight. Uh, I'll give you an example, especially about my father. My father is playing basketball. This is years ago. Oh, my goodness. Years ago. Probably, ooh, probably getting close to about 15, probably about 15 years ago. He was playing basketball. My father's insanely athletic, especially for his age now. You wouldn't even think he runs better than me. He um, he was playing basketball, and he, um, I guess he, I guess somebody jumped over him, To, I guess, uh, catch the rebound or whatnot. Anyway, he landed on my father's foot. And it wasn't anything, like, nasty or any. It wasn't, like, a dirty play. He just, by mistake, landed on my father's foot. And I'm pretty sure that he was my dad's friend. Anyway, landed on his foot and landed on his big toe. All of his weight just slammed down on my father's big toe. It was perfect placement. My father, to this day, will tell you, no, no, no. My, like, he broke my toe. My dad continued to play basketball with a broken toe. That's what we that's how we are in the family. I'll give you a, a, another example. I um when I was a teenager, I was I don't know. I think I was upset with my parents or my brother. I don't I don't know. We were always in some sort of tiff my brother and I. So it could have been him and I. I don't know but oh no maybe it was my parents doesn't matter point is (laughs) sorry it doesn't matter i just i was so upset i got angry and uh you know i don't know why i don't know why i did it but i just i wanted to just punch the wall so i took a swing at the wall And halfway, and I know it sounds weird, but halfway through the punch, I thought, no, this is stupid. Like, I just kind of, like, lost all energy for it. So I threw the punch, and it, you know, kind of became dead in half, like, halfway of the throw. And I hit the door frame, the wooden frame uh, for the doorway. And I, the way it hit was entirely on my, uh, it was the knuckle above my pinky. So my pinky knuckle? I'm not sure. But I, my entire punch landed right on that and i actually uh, received what is called a, uh, uh, a a boxer fracture i broke a, i broke my my knuckle right there the bone popped out it didn't tear through skin but you can see this huge lump i remember i just grabbed my hand popped it back and i went to sleep later that night like it was nothing and it didn't even hurt until i had to reach for things then it started to stink a little bit and I didn't, I didn't cry over it. I didn't. I was just like, "Ow, that stings," and I broke my hand or my knuckle really bad. And so when we went to the hospital, and it got, you know, it was examined and x-rayed and all that. The doctor was like, "And you didn't cry? You didn't freak out?" I'm like, "No." He's like, "Well, it's pretty bad, you know." So, in the sense of a, of uh, that type of injury, a boxer fracture, it uh, it was. It was pretty much on the bad side. It wasn't anything like light or, you know, acute, like how most fractures are. It was essentially a break, but they just said it was a boxer fracture. But the doctor did agree that it was basically a break. That's how we are, right? So if you have the idea, when I crouched down, going back to everything, when I crouched down and I went to lift up the tarp backpack that we created, I felt that sting, And I stood right up and I looked around at everybody. And everybody was just on their haunches, tying up their bag. And every fiber in my brain was just telling me, hey, dude, what are you doing? Like, you're going to destroy that leg when you're out there. And I tried to push through. I said, no, no, no way, man. So I went back on my haunches. I did a few knots and it just stung even more and it didn't and it wasn't enough for me to go oh my gosh i can't do this but it was enough for it to to activate that intuition that uh the triggers in my brain it was enough to activate the triggers in my brain to go you should really think about this so as everybody was tying everything i i actually stood there I just stood there and I watched everyone tie. And seeing them crouch down, so I pulled the recruiter aside. She was oh, amazing. Her name's Jessica. I pulled her aside, and I said, "Man, you know, uh, look, you know, I'm I'm gonna be real with you. How you know how often are we gonna be crouching down like this?" She's like, "Oh, basically every day, because you have to use the latrine." So you have to crouch down like that to use the latrine. You have to do this, you have to tie your bag, you have to make camp, you have to and it was just this consistent crouching on my knee that I just can't afford. So I looked at her and I was like, Oh my gosh. So we both talked about it and very mutual. Very mutual. She was like, you know what? Just if you want, you can go home and then you can come back in a month or two and see if your knee's better. So that's uh that's probably the plan for now. Uh, I won't lie. I don't have any hopes for it because, man, my like my knee has been bothering me, you know. And so but I'm trying not to let that get the better of me. I'm just trying to I'm trying to see its limits, you know, and uh, that's where I'm at right now. I had to come back the day of and it was really it was unfortunate. Uh, uh, I actually got a little uh, a little emotional driving back uh, the, the half an hour drive, um, and I got a little emotional, oops, sorry, and I, uh, I got a little emotional, and it was hard for me, you know, because I just felt like a failure, you know, and I was like, don't be so hard on yourself, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying, you know, it just sucked, because I, I, I invested a decent amount of money, and this was supposed to be the job I was supposed to get the podcast going, you know, so now I, I feel like I'm back at square one, because I don't think that, uh I don't think that my knee is going to get better. And, you know, that's the thing about joints. You know, it takes a long time. You know, you're dealing with like the ligaments and, you know, a piece of your body that's consistently moving, you know, and I don't know what to I don't know what else to do. Um, It's not like, you know, oh, hey, I sprained my, you know, I sprained my uh, my shoulder because you don't have to continuously use your shoulder, you know. And it's just, but with your legs, you have to move around. You have to do things, especially if you're running errands, or you're doing this, or you're doing that, you know? And so, I, uh, you know, it's going to be a little tough for me, you know? And so, I just, you know, I know it's like, but you should be optimistic. I know, but I really, like, honestly, I really don't think, I don't think anything's going to come of uh, my re- my professional relationship with uh, that treatment center. They were great they they did nothing wrong. Uh it was they were amazing, especially the recruiter, Jessica. Great, great girl. And so I just, you know, I Yeah, it you know, it was a little tough for me, but yeah, I I, I got emotional on the car ride and I thought, man, I'm I'm a failure. My I, I, whatever I just had planned is pretty much out the window for now. I don't know what to do and you know, so I'm trying to keep a open mind on on things in a, in a positive outlook, but, you know, that's, that's a little tough, you know, but in a weird, um, dark irony, you know, uh, I did say on the podcast, you know, things may not go according to plan, and can you imagine if everything did, you know, and it, it was interesting, you know, uh, remembering that, because I thought to myself, yeah, <laughs> I did say that, didn't I, that's a, that's a twist of cruel irony, but, Anyway, that was pretty much what happened to me. That was my week, and it sucked um and I was home alone most of the most of the week. I've been playing a lot of video games since that's all I could do. I went job hunting and stuff, but uh I've just been waiting for phone calls and things like that. I had one interview with a company they 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 even asked me to show up in person. The next hour, they responded to me. They were like, can you show up today? So I thought I was in good. You know, I thought, oh, yes, here we go, boy. And no, I got slammed by them. Like, they told me, okay, so we're going to call you if you get the job. And, you know, if you don't, then we won't. And Never called me. <laughs> they never said anything to me. They haven't called me back. They haven't done anything. And it sucks, you know. it It, it, it is a little unfortunate. It's a little, uh, but it it's okay. It is what it is, you know, I just, uh, yeah, I don't know, this is probably like my worst luck in the sense of career wise or financially, it's just horrible luck, but uh, I'm still, I'm still doing good, I'm still finding ways to sustain myself and I'm not like dying, you know, I'm not, oh my gosh, I'm dirt poor, no, 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 it's just, you know, I'm taking a hit, you know. But that's life, you know, ups and downs, you, you know, you take your punches and you and you keep going. It's like um, it's like that famous quote, I forgot by who. So forgive me. But it's like that famous quote where um, failure is not falling down. It is the staying down. And that's the thing, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying my, I'm trying my, uh, excuse my French, I'm trying my damnedest to get up, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying my hardest to stand up and just keep fighting and keep persevering, uh, endurance, endurance is key. I've learned that in life, um, I've, i in fact, I feel like that's all that life is, is just who can out, who can endure who, you know what I mean, who, who can outlast the next person and that's what i'm trying to do i'm trying to out outlast whatever this dark storm is hanging over my head when it comes to my life so that's pretty much it about me i don't want to get too personal um i don't want to bore you with those little details about myself because that's probably one of the most boring things is me so unless i have like some cool stories then you know i'm I'm alright, you know, I'm not that bad. But, I am moving on to the next piece of news. And that is um, current events. I only have one current event that really caught my attention over the week. This happened on the 9th, so the day after. (laughs) So Wednesday, this past Wednesday that came, um, March 9th. I was um, <coughs> excuse me. I uh, I was surfing the web and I saw something. And from time to time, I guess because of you know the cookies and all that and the data that's being saved on my computer about myself, I actually got a lot of Japanese uh, news. And there's this one that really caught my attention. I you know I couldn't help but acknowledge it. I thought it was really interesting. Uh, I'm reading this off of Insider.com. But uh, I'm just going to read you the uh, the title of the article because it just sums it up perfectly. A gigantic ancient Japanese rock believed by some to contain a malevolent thousand year old fox spirit has now split in half. And uh, I was, you know, I was very intrigued, you know, Uh, for those of you who don't know, I used to live in Japan. Uh, I loved it. I lived in Kichijoji. Great area. Probably one of my favorites out of all of Japan, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, just just a nice area. Um, so, you know, to read this and to see it, I thought to myself, oh my goodness. Wow. And the Japanese people can be a little superstitious. Not so much anymore, I don't think. But they, um, uh, some people there, just like, pretty much everywhere in the world they can be a little superstitious not all of them if anything it's actually dying out more and more uh being superstitious i know that most of them just say it just to say it you know like oh be careful because so-and-so might get you but it's usually like a joke you know it's nothing crazy it's not anything out of the ordinary it's just you know talk kind of like um Kind of like how we do it here in the United States. And I'm sure we're not the only ones who do it. But an example, you know, where like you're swimming around. It's like, oh, yeah, you look like a mermaid. Be careful. They might think that you're one of them. You know, obviously not every, you know, mermaids aren't really a thing. I guess it depends on who you ask. But mermaids aren't really a thing. And so, but we just say it just to say it. It's kind of like that. But I want to read you uh, basically the gist of it. If you would let me. And uh, it says here, a massive stone in Japan that is believed by some to contain the spirit of a thousand-year-old demonic fox has now split into two. The Shoseki, translated to the Killing Stone, wow, that tied my tongue a little bit, it's been a while, was pictured in two pieces by a visitor to Mount nasu a scenic spot in japan's tochigi prefecture that's an hour from tokyo i've actually been to tochigi i love tochigi um great area beautiful breathtaking (laughs) quote i came here alone to says shoseki place of the nine-tailed fox legend the big rock in the middle." Wrapped around with rope is where it was supposed to be, but the rock was split in half, and the rope, detached, close quote," wrote a Twitter user, Lillian, who posted a snapshot of the rock in two pieces. They go on to say, if this were a manga, it would mean that the seal is broken by the nine-tailed fox. For those of you who don't know what a, what a manga is, it's a Japanese comic book, a graphic novel, if you will. I feel like I've seen something that shouldn't have been seen, close quote. The original tweet was retweeted more than 84,000 times and sparked discussion threads on Twitter about supernatural happenings in Japan. Another user is to go on to say, They were already signs that the fox might escape in February, close quote. The Twitter user in Japanese wrote this in response to the original tweet, highlighting a picture of a fiery sunset over Mount Fuji with cloud formations that appear to take the shape of a foxtail. The stone was intact, occupied pride of place on the slope of Mount Nasu. According to the local legend, the killing stone was said to seal within its, oh, excuse me, whoa, I just died for a second. Let me, let me retry that. According to local legend, the killing stone was said to seal within it the spirit of the demonic fox, Tamamo no Mai. Tales of the spirit track its calamitous trail of chaos across Asia. During the Marumachi and Endo periods, stories circulated of a fox taking the form of Da Jin, a courtesan in China and resurfacing as a favored concubine of Emperor Toba, the 74th Emperor of Japan. Nine-tailed foxes are common motifs in Japanese legends, and have appeared on wooden block prints and other traditional Japanese artworks. However, the stone might have split due to a far less dramatic reason. Locals living near the stone told Japanese news outlets, or a Japanese news outlet, excuse me, Shimotsuki, there were cracks developing in the rock for years, attributing the rock was breaking to wear and tear from the elements. So this is something to, um, you know, I, I just thought it'd be like a good little, fun little read just to toss in there. Yeah, and it would have, you know, I think this is something to really keep an eye on. Maybe keep looking at, uh, I'm going to probably keep an eye on Japanese folktales and stuff, or maybe just the supernatural world in general, and see if anything comes of it. Because that's very intriguing to me. Very intriguing indeed. So, that's all the current event I have. Now, in the sense of the podcast, in terms of the podcast, I... I was contacted by a by a listener, and a very very uh, intriguing one at that. <laughs> um, very impressive, I would say. I on Wednesday, March 9th, I was sent an email. And that email really caught my attention, and I couldn't help but feel the need to share it. So with his permission, I, I asked him, I said, well, would you mind if I talked about it on the podcast and whatnot? And he said, absolutely. So I was contacted by a man, uh, J.L. Pattison. He is an author. So before I go any deeper, let me pause right here. Let's just give a big, you know, a big warm welcome to JL Pattison. He uh he is now number two behind Zed to uh reveal himself. And uh big big round of applause. Uh warm welcome. Thank you for joining the conversations that take place at midnight. <laughs> So thank you so much. Um well with that out of the way, we shared a light correspondence. And light is is uh overdoing it. We didn't share a lot. Uh, I have yet to respond to them. I'm so sorry, JL Patterson. I'll be sure to send you a uh an email very soon. I um we shared a correspondence for what little time I had. And I say little after I was saying I was playing like some video games. I didn't do anything productive. I just was barely home. And if I was, I got distracted by video gaming. But I, um he wrote me a beautiful, beautiful email. Just him talking about how he himself has been through Florida. So, ladies and gentlemen of the podcast, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this right now. He has most definitely been near the areas that I talk about. Uh, an example being in the, in the episode, the RV hideaway. And the ghosts from my past. He, um, he has essentially been, or he knows about that area, and I'm sure he's driven past where the RV hideaway once was. It's no longer there, but where it once was. He has been through those neck of the woods, he has seen it, he even gets it down to the number, and I'm e- and he even says it in his email, quote, just outside, on, just outside on 441, just outside Hollywood, if my memory serves me correct, it absolutely does, JL Patterson, it absolutely does, and I was blown away, everybody, I was, I was impressed, and I even told him, I said, you know, this is probably the first time that someone has wrote me that not only, you know, appreciates the podcast, which thank you so much for the compliments. I thank you. But it's the first time that someone has actually been through a place that I have once called home. And it was, you know, it was it it was new to me. It it was new to me, it was intriguing, so I spoke to him, he offered, out of the kindness of his heart, he, he offered me a gift, and I told him no, unless I can do something for him, which is, allow me to talk about uh, you on the podcast, and your stories, and he said yes, he gave me permission, he, he absolutely did, and, um, I guess this is going to take up a little bit of the podcast, but I just had to, I just had to read, I I just had to share this with you guys because he has been through some incredible stuff. So I'm going to just read a little snippet from here, just so you have an idea of what, of what we're talking about. He says, I grew up in, I, and this is in the middle of the email, so I'm just jumping right into the middle of the email. He says at some point, quote, I grew up in Broward County and enjoyed reminiscing about the area. If I'm not mistaken, that area, that area that you were talking about was on Indian land. It indeed was. Just on 441, just outside Hollywood, if my memory serves me correct, it does. And it used to have a bingo hall and an Indian wildlife thing where they had alligators. It and In fact, I think it's still there. I think that place is still there. I don't know if they still do it now, but when I was last there in 2019, They absolutely had wildlife there. Skipping through uh, our correspondence, he says, "But I do recall that area as the Seminole land. I lived in Hollidale, Hollywood, Davy Plantation, and Coral Springs during my time in Florida. The things I miss about Florida is the is fishing. I'm right there with you. The beach." Carvel ice cream, yes. Cuban food, oh, Cuban food. And Char-Hut burgers. I've actually never had a Char-Hut burgers. I, I heard of it, but I've never had a burger from Char-Hut. It's mostly food-related, but I usually think with my stomach. Me too. Me too, J.L. Patterson. Me too. So he, you know, he he has these stories. You know, he has his experience. He has his time being there. And he told me... Or he shared with me this incredible story, okay? And I think I read like one third of it, and I stopped. I said, "No, no, no, no! I have to read this raw on the podcast." So that's what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, and he and he said it is absolutely fine if if I read it, and I just could not help. Oh. I just, I just, I I couldn't help myself. So without further ado, and this, this is worthy of lighting a candle. So, uh, the candle that I seem to be addicted to, the Blackberry Brandy, I have it in my hands and we're going to get ready and light this bad boy. So please, if you will, if you will, please. Grab, grab your candles, grab your matches, because this is going to be a doozy. Wow, well, I had to edit out a lot of silence <laughs> because I misplaced my matches. Did you guys just hear that? So I just had to pause the podcast. Holy crap I don't know what that sound was if you guys listen to the point where right where I say where I say right after I I, I I say uh I had to find my matches if you listen really closely, you hear this uh, sound I don't know wh- I thought it was my cat, but it's not because my cat is to my right and I heard it from my left. It came from it came from the door. Holy crap! I just got chills down my spine. <laughs> I'm scared to leave the room. I I don't know what's on the other side of that door. Wow! What an uncomfortable feeling that was. What a rush! Whoa! Sorry, <laughs> sorry about that. Mercy me. Oh my. Whoa. (laughs) Wow. What a feeling, huh? Woo. Okay. Wow. (laughs) Sorry. I'm like bouncing all over right now because of just things. uh, One thing after another. I keep staring at the door now. Anyway, if you know what? If my cat is fine. I'm fine. You know, he didn't react to anything. Maybe I shouldn't. But that was a weird sound. Like, I I hope that you guys can hear that. That's crazy. Wow. Anyway. I, uh... Woo, sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna be shaking that one off me for the rest of the podcast. I know it. Anyway, I have my matches. So... I I got my blackberry brandy. I got from Walgreens. It's a... It's a lovely, lovely scent. I cannot get enough of it, if I'm being honest. So... While I'm doing this, while you guys are preparing... I'm sure you guys already prepped as I was being, I don't know, moaned and groaned at. Um, As I'm prepping this, go ahead and unwind. Go ahead and just relax. Ease yourself enjoy yourself enjoy who you are oh, there you go ooh you heard that crackle you heard that crackle oh man the smell of a match will never get dull i mean it, it just that's beautiful that's a that's a that's a beautiful beautiful smell the smell of a of a match lighting and then you like extinguish it and it's just uh, there's very few things in this world that gives me that much joy but that is definitely one of them now without a further <laughs> without a further ado man I now I'm in the zone so now <laughs> without a further ado this is the girl in the window. By J.L. Pattison. Are you ready? Let's go. Growing up in South Florida provided many experiences that left indelible impressions on me. Like that one morning, my house violently shook from the Midas muffler shop explosion that occurred miles away in Davie to visiting the aftermath of the explosion and ensuing fire from the Amtrak train that collided with a Hess gas station on the tracks in Fort Lauderdale. From the Adam Walsh kidnapping at the local Sears Mall in Hollywood when I was a child, to the time as a teenager when a man who'd been following me around the Roward Mall tried to lure me to his car in the parking lot. From being slammed into the jetty by an errant Ocean wave that nearly broke my leg. Wow. To the time that I helped save a drowning man at the beach. From seeing that strange creature one night in western Dade County that I still can't explain. To surviving Hurricane Andrew in 1992. But all of my experiences there's one that leaves me with great regret. The one incident that still bothers me to this day. It was the time I failed to prevent the kidnapping of a teenage girl whose fate I will likely never know. The incident. It was either 1989 or 1990, but I can't even begin to guess what month or time of the year since it was always summer in south florida i was in my late teens my friend raul and i both lived in west broward county one of the activities we'd like to do after the sun went down was cruise the a1a also known as the fort lauderdale strip yes sir A popular destination for locals and tourists, and where several movies had been filmed. That's right. One night, after we were done cruising the Strip, Raul and I decided to head home. It was late, probably after one in the morning, and I was driving my car westbound on the 17th causeway. I was in the left fast lane of the two westbound lanes as I was crossing over the drawbridge. I was approaching and about to overtake a vehicle ahead of me in the right lane. The car was a gold or champagne colored four-door that was possibly a Kia or a Hyundai type vehicle. I can't remember for sure. Inside the car were three Caucasian occupants, an adult female driver, Adult male passenger occupied the front seat and a younger female in the back seat sitting directly behind the driver. (laughs) As I was about to pass this vehicle, I noticed the teenage girl in the back seat looking through the rear passenger window. There was no mistaking she was distraught and crying. So much, in fact, it gave me pause and I slowed down to keep from passing the car. I was not immediately apparent what Raul and I stumbled onto but the female in the back seat who I would estimate was approximately 15 or 16 years old was clearly in distress if my memory serves me correct she had brownish colored hair that hung at least over her shoulders but probably longer the pursuit Being the era before the proliferation of cell phones, the only thing I could do was follow the car. And it wasn't long before the occupants realized that they were being followed and attempted to elude us. This began a middle-of-the-night chase through the business and residential streets of Fort Lauderdale, solidifying our suspicions that the girl in the backseat was likely being held against her will. At one point during the approximate 10-minute pursuit, the suspicious car stopped at a red light. Why? I don't know, as there were no other cars around at that hour of the morning and the driver could have easily proceeded through the light. But what happened next was of two mistakes I made that night. I came to a stop behind the car, but was unsure what to do next. To my surprise, the girl in the back seat exited the car, and began running. Oh my gosh. Not in a full sprint, but in a more half-hearted, almost almost an in inebriated or fatigued fashion. Excuse me. <clears throat> Unfortunately, instead of running back to the safety of my vehicle, where Raul and I could take her and get her out of there, she ran in a 45-degree angle forward from the car she just fled. Just as surprising, the car in front of us did not move, and neither the driver nor the passenger got out. I speculated over the years that their hesitation may have been from debating whether or not to just let the girl go, or waiting to see how Raul and I were going to respond. I kick myself to this day for not accelerating past the gold car and rescuing the girl ourselves. Instead, we sat frozen, not sure what was going on or why the occupants weren't making any attempt to recapture the girl. I anguish over the moment in time that spanned only for a few seconds. Why didn't she run back to us? She had to know we were pursuing them. We could have helped her. Why didn't I just go get her myself? After a few seconds, and likely because of our lack of action, lack of action excuse me, the passenger door opened and the mail got out and crossed in front of the gold car in pursuit of the girl. As I remember it, he was tall, probably around six foot, with brown or darker curly hair and a slenderly muscular build. I remember he appeared to be in his twenties, wearing a collared polo style shirt, tightly tucked in he was nicely dressed definitely not someone I'd expect to see kidnapping a young girl in the middle of the night which made the whole situation even more surreal as he took off after her I got out of my car and approached the gold car while Raul stayed behind I walked up to the driver whose window was down and asked her what was going on The driver also appeared to be in her 20s and also clean cut. She kept both hands on the steering wheel and simply remarked, she's a... cuss word removed. (laughs) And that was it. Her response to this insane situation was itself insane. To this day i still don't understand the response but i'll never forget what she said or how she said it in her detached distant demeanor it was at this time the man was walking back with the teenage girl he caught and he had now slung over his shoulder who offered little resistance with no weapons in our possession to get the upper hand in the situation and still not knowing what was going on, I returned to my car. Oh, man. I wish there had been another car or two that came by that intersection at that hour in the morning. Someone who could have helped us intervene or who could have called the police. The man placed the girl in the back seat, and he got in beside her. Why she was allowed to be in the back seat alone to begin with, I don't know. Then the pursuit was back on. We were at bl- we were blazing at high speeds through a residential area, including cutting through at least one front yard. Whoa! Wow! Wow! I remember being so desperate for assistance from any residents or other motorists that I kept honking my horn in hopes that someone, anyone, would call the cops. But that never even occurred. I recognized the driver of the vehicle was not familiar with the, with the neighborhood, and neither was I, as she kept driving down streets that were blocked off with guardrails to prevent through traffic. After several of these little ventures down dead-end streets, only to flip around and pursue them back out, I thought I'd wise up, and that was my second mistake. When the driver pulled down another street with a sign that clearly indicated there was no through traffic... This time, instead of following her, I waited at the intersection for them to return once they realized they were blocked by another guardrail. The seconds passed, and they did not return. More seconds passed, and still no sign of them. I hurried down the street only to find, although the road was blocked by a guardrail, there was a gap on the side of the guardrail large enough to drive around, and they were gone. The realization that I had just lost them, especially because of my mistake, haunts me to this very day. The Aftermath I quickly drove to a Florida Highway Patrol station that was not too far away. At that hour of the night, the station was manned by only one lady, who I believe was a dispatcher or a secretary of sorts. Sorts, excuse me, Secretary of Sorts, working the phones and radios overnight. And I told her everything that had just happened. Even giving her the vehicle description and the Maryland license plate number. Yes, to this day, I still remember the license plate was from Maryland. Unfortunately, the impression I got from her was that of either disbelief in my story a total lack of interest or a combination of both. No cops came to speak with us. After giving this woman the information, I remember walking out of the station feel like nothing was going to be done. And that I had failed that young girl. The next night, Raul and I met for dinner at a little restaurant in Hollywood just off I-95 called Stratford's for their all-you-can-eat shrimp night. We always enjoyed the all-you-can-eat shrimp nights. I remember us briefly talking about the incident over dinner, but after that, we never discussed the matter again. In fact, in the ensuing thirteen years, I don't ever tell. I don't. I don't recall ever telling anyone about this incident. It's not just something that I like to talk about. I don't blame you. I don't blame you, Mr. Patterson. I don't. Having the chance to rescue someone and watching that opportunity slip through my hands left me with a lot of what-ifs. What if I reacted faster and had gone after the girl when she took off on foot? What if I was braver and tried to stop the man from putting the girl back into the car? What if another vehicle had been coming by that intersection just for a minute or two when we stopped? What if someone had called the police? What if a cop had been in the area during our wild pursuit? What if I hadn't waited at the end of the street for the car to come back out, allowing their escape? Had any of those moments turned out differently? That girl may have been rescued that night. The conclusion... I've never been able to understand what I was dealing with that night. Sure, the girl was taken against her will. That was obvious. But by who? And for what reason? And why such a cryptic response by the driver when I asked her what the heck was going on? It was always my opinion that the adult male and female were part of a cult. And that's why they kidnapped the girl. But then recently, I had an epiphany. It occurred to me, in light of all the revelations about Epstein Island and Pizzagate, and let us not forget the Franklin scandal and the Finder's cult. Perhaps what I had witnessed that night was not an abduction related to a cult, but an abduction for the purpose of human trafficking, especially when considered the car's license plate and Maryland's pro- proximity to Washington DC. M- I I I promise you as I was reading it I thought the Maryland tag mm, must be some I thought the same thing Mr. Patterson. I will likely never know the answer of why that girl was taken. But I will always carry this guilt with me. And every now and then I think of her and i wonder if she's still alive out there somewhere or if i as a teenage boy had been her last chance of survival and that that is the girl in the window by j l patterson uh. I was wearing a hat. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it off now. That was um I literally took my hat off for you, Mr. Patterson. Wow. I I before I even go into um my critique or anything or any other opinions, I wanna say first and foremost. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. I really am. And I can't even I can't even begin to think why why you were put in that situation. A lot of people say, you know, oh hey, you know, things happen in life. You know, sometimes you're there, sometimes you're not. I don't I'm starting to notice that life is weird in the sense that when you come across experiences, I feel like sometimes they're a little too scripted. You know, they're a little too coincidental. So when is it too much of a coincidence to be a coincidence, you know? And I guess with that being said, I am so sorry that you had to go through that. I can't imagine being in your shoes. I don't want to imagine being in your shoes. But what I will say is, and there's not a, and you and you don't even have to tell me or anyone else on the show nothing. I do I do understand that there is not a darn thing anyone can tell you that can remove that guilt. No one. No one except for the girl herself that she's the only one who can tell you, "Oh, don't worry about it." And even then that may not do it for you. <laughs> I am um, I'm very sorry that you had to go through that. And when it comes to that whole story in general, that was a roller coaster. And the fact that it was a true story, just a, and, and, and I can only imagine Florida back then with no cell phones. It must have been a a weird wild west, you know, And everywhere that you're talking about, I totally understand. The local Sears Mall, um, Broward Mall. Are you kidding me? (laughs) It's funny. I I, I was actually, well, what's left? I was on the grounds where the Sears Mall used to be. I'm pretty sure it's taken down now. But I, 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 I used to cut through that parking lot of where it used to be. Very, very intriguing. It. I am so sorry. Oh, wow. And I even see... Oh, he even leaves an image. Mr. Pattison leaves an image of him and the car that he pursued. Wow. Oh, well, that's a nice car, man. You must have been rocking it back in the day, brother. Wow, that's not a. What is that? That's not a BMW. You know, that's something else. What is that? Volvo? I can't tell from here. I'm. I'm not so good with cars from the '80s like that. I don't know. Saturn? I don't know. I um. I digress. That was beautiful. I. I, I got. I. I think I'm overstimulated. <laughs> Like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Mr. Patterson, once again, and I'm going to keep saying, I'm so sorry that you had to go through. I I wouldn't even know what to do. First of all, and this is something that's, um, that's wrong with me. (laughs) I do recognize this as a fault in my systems, if you will. I am, I'll, (laughs) this sounds really bad i would have punched that woman but i would have punched that woman behind the wheel and i know it's like tuesday you hit women look first of all let me just say this out here out in the open right now i grew up in a very weird environment the neighborhood okay mr patterson says that you know he was he stayed in the broward area i'm not saying he never visited my areas but he was more in the Broward County area. If anybody's familiar with Florida, there are two very popular counties. You have Miami-Dade County and then you have Broward. They're they're neighboring each other. Uh if you hear people talk about Miami, they go 305, that is the area code for the phone numbers. Broward's is 954. That is their dominant number, 954. And I'm sure Mr. Patterson will go absolutely 954, uh, 786. No, 754, I'm so sorry, 754, those numbers. Miami is 305, 786, things like that. I, um, I grew up in different areas, in different spots, if you will. One of the areas I grew up in was Hialeah. I lived in hialeah i lived um I lived west of the Hialeah racetrack. I was there when it was still run down now it, if you go there now, you know it's booming you know there's there's cars in and out they uh they restored it. I think that they remodeled it they restored it, and now you know it's back up and running you know it's the casino, it's the racetrack it's the When I was there, that racetrack was run down and disgusting. The only thing that they had, now check me out. If anybody from Hialeah is listening or if anybody has been through Hialeah, I want you to check me out. Ready? I was there when all they had, the only activity that they had in that racetrack was a security guard that would drive around in his truck in circles and just these gigantic circles over and over and over that's when I was there and that was 2000, 2009. <laughs> I know because that's the year that Michael Jackson died. It was 2009. I was living there in the summer when Michael Jackson died in June. I was there in Hialeah. I was skateboarding. I was, I was a little rat skateboarding around, uh, my, my little street. And, um, around the corner from me was this, uh, was a bakery owned by Cubans. And they made this amazing Cuban bread. And listen, I'm telling you, listen, whoever's listening outside of Florida, that Cuban bread, man, you guys are missing out hard, heavy. I smacked my lips hard on that one, which I need to stop doing. I'm sorry. But that you could smell it down the street. You could smell it down the street. And my mom, my brother and I, we would look at each other and we'd scrape up. And it was dirt cheap. The bread was dirt cheap. They 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 would sell it probably for like a dollar. This huge, uh, probably foot and a half loaf of Cuban bread. We would run down to the bakery. We'd buy one or two of them. And we'd sprint back, spread some butter on that piping hot bread. Oh, 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 oh doggy. That was... Anyway. When Mr. Patterson says that he misses the Cuban food, that is something that you have to point out. The Cuban sandwiches are out of this world. Especially when they make it with like this flank steak with these little french fries in it and oh man. Anyway. I'm saying... (laughs) Sorry. I'm saying this going back to me saying I'll punch that woman in the face. I grew up When I was in Hialeah, I saw, because I, man, my parents, I love them both. Guys, I love you. I love you. (laughs) But they, uh, they went through something during those years because I would skateboard outside at 14, 14, 13, something like that. I would skateboard outside just at three in the morning just outside three in the morning just skateboarding i'm surprised the neighbors didn't say anything to me because man those skateboards are loud you know clack clack they make like that snapping sound and all that and um yeah three in the morning my parents they just (laughs) and i didn't sneak out i just stayed outside till 3 a.m and my parents didn't even you know And they before anyone says anything my parents weren't bad parents they were great It's just during that time, I guess they were depressed or something. They never noticed me. But um, I'm sure my mom's going to call me now and go like, Tuesday, what are you doing? You can't say that about me. You know, but no, they're great. Great parents. It's just in that weird, you know, I think every parent kind of goes through like a weird phase where you're like, what's wrong with them? You know, And and it wasn't even that long. It was just this brief limbo that they existed in when it came to watching my brother and I anyway i'm saying this because when i was out there at three in the morning i would see some of these women there there are some women that exist right there are some women that exist to where they cross the line of no longer being a woman so let me say this that woman behind the wheel giving that response because she's a bleep instant sock in the face now look i wouldn't i wouldn't lay my hands on my mother i wouldn't lay my hands on the kind lady that lives down the street from me i wouldn't live i wouldn't lay my my hands to the woman who lives across the street from me because those are women they 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 care about their family they do good things for the community they that's a woman she holds the fort down when the husband goes to work. Or she's the one working and the husband holds the fort down. You know, they contribute to society. But when you have somebody from out of the area, from Maryland, and let's say, let's say that someone listening right now goes, well, um, uh, Mr. Patterson's story, What if, what if that was their child? And they're just abusive parents. And that's not, like, that's not ripe for a... I mean, a clock in the face—is that not ripe enough for that? Am I wrong for saying that? Listen, my father disciplined us. My father's from the motherland of South America. He disciplined us. I would go as—I i will would, would go as far as saying that there are times where he beat the crap out of us, not literally, but he—I mean, he would get us good. For the sole purpose, because his fear was either I do it or a cop kills them in the street. Because because I could so see it. If he didn't intervene, my brother and I probably would have gone down a very, very dark path. And it came to the point where any time that I was tempted to do a very stupid thing, I'd go, oh, yeah, let's. And I wouldn't go, no, man, I, I don't want to get in trouble. The kids that I'll be around will go, oh man, man, you know, the cops aren't going to find out. And I'll go, cops? Who said anything about cops? It's my dad. My dad will find me. And first of all, he, he wouldn't just hit me. He beat the crap out of all of us. He will destroy every last one of us kids. And then when your dad even dares to threaten him, he will beat the crap out of your father. That's who my dad used to be. That was my father, a very tough man. And you wouldn't see it looking at him now. But man, in his prime, and his essence of youth, that man had no fear. None. And I think that's who I get it from. Because there's moments where I probably should feel fear, but I don't. Because the, the only people that I'm scared of is him, my brother, and maybe just probably just about it like you have to be a whole new level of of human for me to go Ooh, okay well uh, i don't know about all that you know but when it comes to like people who are like you know you know have have you ever had those people try you you know and they're like and what you gonna do you're you're not gonna do anything i have i have swung on i have thrown a punch on people when they have said that in mid-sentence because it's like of course i'm gonna do it Cause in, cause in my brain, I don't, I'm not, I'm not scared of you. You do nothing to me, you know, like in, in my mind, I don't care. I'm hitting you, you know? And so I'm saying that because that woman would have been, I mean, laid out by yours truly. And I know it sounds barbaric and I know it sounds brutal, but that's not a woman. That is not an individual that contributes to this society in any positive outlet. In any, in any fashion, there is no way that she gives off anything good. If that is her business, kidnapping young women. And let me tell you something that's horrifying. I mean, it sends chills down my spine. And I talked about this on episode. 2 3 the the uh the missing people i said have have you guys ever looked around at how many missing children there are never mind the adults the children and i'm not just talking about you know young 5-year-old kids no 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 the most common age groups are between 13 and 16 that's that's the range that we're looking at here. Why is that? That's only a 3 year difference. What is so special in those 3 years that people find uh, attractive? And I'm not and So and clearly this young girl I don't even know, man. I'm I'm just I'm just telling you I would have swung on that woman cuz I'm one of those people who fight for respect and appreciation. So if if that was someone's kid just off principle, I would have socked you. Cuz look, I have pissed my father off many times. My brother has pissed my father off many times. My sister definitely pissed off my sister many times. But I don't ever recall him ever calling us any bad names because he's because he loved us he loved us so if that was that woman's daughter and she called her that word deserves a punch Th- that's your child right there that's your kid you don't have to love the choices that they do but you but you should love them And except for giving your kid the respect of carrying her like a baby, you know, where one arm is under both her legs and, you know, no, just tossed her over her shoulder like she was drugged out on some, like, date drug. Just tossed her over the shoulder like, okay, another piece of flesh. That was a human being. Is. I'm going to keep hopes up, but I, you know, I'm sorry. I doubt it. Mr. Patterson, I'm going to be honest with you. If that girl really was a victim of trafficking, she's probably long gone. Which, depending if you're religious or not, oh, you know what? Even if you aren't, being dead, is a that's a better fate than enduring what, what some of these people who are victims of that probably are. And I'm going to be real. This is going to be a little... Intriguing for people to hear. Um, I am on the side that I do believe that there is a sex trafficking group embedded within our own government. Within the United States government. I do believe it. I do. And I know it's like, how could you believe that, you know, crap? and, And listen, that's not crap. It is not crap. And you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to toss this out here, right? And I'm not going to get into whole conspiracies. That's not what I'm going to do here. But I am just going to say this, right? I'm I, I'm going to try to ride the fence on this, right? I'm just going to leave this question out there and you take it for how you want. When it comes to Pizzagate. Right. And I'm not going to get into any details. I'm not going to dive into this. I won't, I may talk about it in the future, but I'm going to try to ride the fence. And that's why I'm not having, that's why I'm not prepped to talk about this yet because I don't, I haven't prepped that yet. You know, I want to prep it before I jump in because I don't want anyone to think, oh my goodness, he's trying to shove this down our throats. I'm not. I'm just, all that I'm simply trying to do is just leave the thoughts out in the open. You th- you think of it how you want. I'm just trying to present it, right? And all I'm gonna do is just say this: When it comes to PizzaGate, has anyone has anyone really acknowledged Comet Pizza? I'm I'm being real. Like, let's let's take away everything, everything. Like, let's just strip it all away. Let's let's get rid of the email leaks. Let's get rid of all of let's just remove all of this right comet pizza has anyone looked at that place especially around the time that apparently all this was happening now it's like you know now it's like updated upgraded you know a little fancier weird art really weird art and if you guys don't know that look up comet pizza art and you're going to see the weird art. Oh, and just look up the owner's Instagram. That's something else that's weird. But anyway, um, Comet Pizza. Look at it. Like really observe the building. Look at it as a restaurant, right? Hop online. If, you, if you're not driving, if you're not distracted, just hop online and look up Comet Pizza. The building, at least back in like 2008. Observe that building. Stare at that restaurant. Now ask yourself this question. (laughs) Because I had to ask myself this. And that's when it clicked in my brain. That restaurant. For some reason. (laughs) That only only a higher power or anyone into the dark arts like they are will understand. Because us normal people I don't think are ever meant to understand. That restaurant. Is the That is the same restaurant that has housed so many important meetings you wouldn't believe. I'm talking every politician in the book has gone to that restaurant. You're telling me in that whole 10-minute drive from the Capitol building, or I think it's longer than that, I don't know, but you're telling me that whole 10-minute drive from the Capitol building, there isn't another nicer good looking pizza place than comet pizza and they're not even there they do ping pong that's their that's that's their jig is ping pong and pizza so you're telling me that a bunch of political people stared at that pizza place and went hey let's just try this place out and let's let's hosts let's host our our uh the fundraisers our partings our jigs all of it in there that's not weird to anybody that's all i have to say just think about that think about it and if and if that still doesn't help you then let's then let's put us in the situation okay you the listener you and i are talking and you tell me hey tuesday listen man um listen i want to host uh, kind of like a gala, like like a nice get-together meeting, you know, everyone, every, everyone that is somebody in the political world is gonna be there, you know what I'm saying, so let's just, hey, you know, let's just throw a shindig, but listen, I'm really busy in my schedule, you tell me, hey, listen, I'm really busy in my schedule, is there any way that you could get us a venue like can you find us a place to host it and i go i got you just give me a few days a few days go by right and keep in mind we're talking politicians barack obama the clintons uh the bushes we're talking every major uh chess player in the world of politics is going to be at this event of yours you the listener right And I come back to you after a few days and I go, I got the venue. And you go, is it the Four Seasons? Is it, um, I don't know. Is it ceviche by by the ocean? Nope. Even better. What is it? Comet Pizza, where they do ping pong. (laughs) Did, Did it click yet? That's what I tell you. No, even better. Like, and I'm not. Did you get the reservations at Dorcia? Not even at Dorcia. Check me out. A pizza place where they do ping pong. That's where you're gonna. That's that's what's gonna host your very important gala. Does that sound right to you? Does that sound r- close to anything that should be hosting insanely important parties? meetings the whole shebang you're telling me these people who love to wine and dine who sit in multi-million dollar mansions nancy pelosi have you ever seen her house anyway these people who are insanely wealthy even jeffrey epstein was who he has gone there to comet pizza you're telling me that just eh eh, eh. let's ha- l- let's have a ping pong pizza place host these political parties and events and get togethers where every major person will be there. People who aspire to be president of the United States and people who once were president of the United States is gonna be there, and they were. That's all I'm going to say. Just ask yourself, how the heck does that make sense? What is so special about Comet Pizza for that to happen? That's all I'm, That that's it. That's all I'm tossing out there. Moving on from that, Mr. Patterson, I would not be surprised because, uh, I mean, according to your story, I mean, it seems like you also believe in it. You, you also lean towards the idea that um, there are indeed some sort of human trafficking, dark arts happening. Um, I do agree with you. Perhaps she really was a victim of trafficking. And as dark as it sounds, and I won't, and I don't want to continue more because I know some people are bothered by it. Um, and I don't blame you. But just to end it there, I don't blame you. I really don't. In fact, I, um, in fact, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that is what happened. My only hope, and I say hope very lightly, is that perhaps that was a family member of hers, like her siblings, maybe, and she ran away from home and I don't know, but I don't know. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that, and that is incredible. The fact that you were not paid attention to uh, more than i that than you should be is astounding, which brings me to a horrible segue into more about Mr. Pattison. Mr. Pattison is an author, okay I, I I touched down on that a little bit earlier in in the show. but Mr. Pattison is an author. And Mr. Pattison has kindly uh, that that gift that I was talking about has kindly offered me uh, a copy of his newest book, his latest book, uh, entitled... uh, I'm sorry, let me get the email out here really fast. I am on his website, jlpattison.com. He has graciously offered me a copy of his book, The Man Who Thought He Could Fly. It features uh, 12 stories in order, Killing Time, The Dragon Keeper, Majority Rules, The Weight of Chains, Collision, They Came Upon a Midnight Clear, The Great Divorce, Dreams of Evil Men, The Man Who Thought He Could Fly, Revolution in the Park, A Beautiful Day, and Hall of Room. Those are all twelve stories. It seems this is uh, an anthology, ser- a storybook story book about different um, different stories, and I'm going to read you uh, a description. The man who thought he could fly is a wildly entertaining and deep thought prov- prov- provoking excuse me deeply thought provoking collection of short stories filled with drama, intrigue, suspense, and allegory all cleverly delivered in the familiar Twilight Zone style of storytelling that J.L. Patterson's fans have come to expect. Um, well, Mr. Patterson, you can add me to that list of fans. I, I will be a part of that group, um, and, I, and, and I would greatly uh, enjoy reading what you have here. He has a five-star rating on one of his stories, uh the island. Uh, this is uh, this is the synopsis of the island by J. L. Pattison. Agent Sherrod Parker never expected to get caught. His first reconnaissance mission was the D with the DEA was supposed to be simple. Infiltrate a small specific island and gather intelligence about its involvement in the international drug trade. But when Parker stumbles upon a hidden airliner reportedly shot down, oh, airliner, whoa, airliner sh- reportedly shot down weeks earlier, an act of terrorism that sparked a war, he realizes the island is more than just home to a major drug operation. It's also part of a conspiracy so evil it could lead to World War III. After being captured Parker is forced to abandon his original mission for a far more important one, escape from the island, and return to his family. This is, um, he has another book called Saving Kennedy, The Visitor, Alibi Interrupted, and soon to be, oh, and now, the one that has recently just come out, The Man Who Thought He Could Fly. I would imagine Mr. Patterson uh, has more more books coming out. But for now, please go check him out. Um, he is on Amazon, people. He is indeed on Amazon. And uh, after some negotiation, <laughs> I say negotiation as if like I had to negotiate with him, um, he has given me permission to read a few pages or one, Just one uh, um, story from the collection of 12. He has given me permission to read it here on the podcast. I'm not entirely sure, so i have to get more permission, or i have to get a little more detail from him just to be sure what I can do. But in the future, probably next week, maybe even uh, the week after, I will be reading that story on the air. So, prepare for that. We, we will be having a uh, JL. Pattison night and um, yes, I won't lie just because I like the name. they came upon a midnight clear for some reason just uh, just I don't know it just it just resonates with me. I just like the name of it so I may do that one and we'll have to see and yeah so. Mr. Patterson, thank you for uh allowing me to to read that. Um and maybe when I'm more stimulated, maybe when I've come back to earth after that wild roller coaster, I will be able to actually give my full opinion on such a intense, riveting story. I um I don't even know what to say. I I don't even I don't even know. I will um I will say this: the Twilight Zone is probably, and I mean classic Twilight Zone, like when it starts uh, changing a little bit. Yeah, I, uh, I don't, I don't, I do not. I'm gonna be really honest with you. I do not like the new Twilight Zone, the one produced or directed by Jordan Peele. Not a fan of it. I do not like it. I do not appreciate it. Uh, it just doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't sit well with me. Um, but the original classic Twilight Zone, for like the first three seasons. First of all, season one of classic Twilight Zone, probably, my in my opinion, I'll be really blunt with this, possibly the best damn TV <laughs> ever. Period. Ever. Period. I loved. Cla- I oh. I wish I can go back in time and rewatch it. That first episode of the guy like going through that military experiment. Insane. Where he was like in a town where no one's in it. Insane. I, I thought that was such a good concept. Just something so simple, bare bones, simple, but they still found a way to be creeped out. Still found a way to make you feel weird. Ugh. I can't even get So classic, classic Twilight Zone. Oh my gosh, Mr. Patterson, you you won me over, you know. So I will um and I will be very honest with with my review. I won't um I won't hold back the punches. I will be very honest the way that I expect people to be honest about my show. So, um So please if if anyone, you know, if anybody's looking for a good read, and if you're willing to wait another week, maybe two, uh, for me to uh, read a little story from Mr. Patterson's, um, Mr. Patterson's collection. if If you love it, please go and order a book or two from him. It's on Amazon. If you prefer to order from Amazon, he's on Amazon. And, yeah. So... Once again, a big warm welcome to Mr. Patterson, especially for him revealing himself. I know a lot of people like to sit in the dark. Um, And if you loved this episode, if you enjoyed it, if you don't want to sit in the dark, if you want to share who you are, I mean, you don't have to give me your real name, but if you want to share more about yourself, if you want to share who you are, please email me a story. Email me a story. That happened to you. Something that you cannot explain. And you know. It doesn't have to be something that you can't explain. Just something weird and uncomfortable. Like this. Like this story that I just read. Riveting tale. Grabbed me by my haunches. That apparently I can't get down on. Because of my bad knee. Please send me an email. At stories at midnight. At yahoo.com Zed. Sent me an email. Mr. Pattison has sent me an email. So please, when you get the chance, please, please write me. If you want to share the story, if you're sitting there at night going, oh, I wish I could share this story with somebody, I'm your guy. I'm right here for you. But of course, you don't have to if you don't want to. But I'll more than likely read it on the podcast. I love reading these stories. I think they're great. I think it's amazing. Anyway, I would hate to keep talking in circles. I would hate to keep on dragging this on more than it has to. As we all know, I love organic um, interactions. I love natural and organic experiences. So I, um, I think, <laughs> I think we should, we should walk away while we can. That I, I think the way that the show has gone the ups the downs the emotions of that story riveting sensational and i'm not going to share any more stories i don't feel the need to top it off (laughs) that that deserves a um well it closed out the episode it really did um so (laughs) Uh, and you know what i just genuinely feel like the sun is setting on the conversation so thank you for co- uh, for coming and leaving your world to be in mine. Um, it really does mean a lot. And once again, I am growing. Conversations at Midnight is a very... V- Listen, and I'm going to keep saying this, but for a podcast with zero, zero... Advertisements, which that might change. I do, I did, bear with me now. I did create a TikTok for, for the podcast. I did do that. But for a show that has zero advertisements, we are growing, people. This, this is word to mouth here. Or maybe just some fickle finger of fate that has brought you to me, and I, uh, I'm grateful. I really am. I'm very grateful. So, um, hopefully, in the future, production will change. Uh, you know, I uh, took a hit, as I said earlier. We took a hit, but don't worry. Uh, I will bounce back. I will prevail. So, do me a favor. Everyone, please, please go check out Mr. Patterson on Amazon or his stories in general. Check it out. Take a, take a little gander. And in the next episode or two, I will be reading one of his stories from his book. And uh, we will see where that takes us. Please be safe out there. It is, I know it's crazy. I know the political world has shaken everyone up, as they always seem to do. And that is not me being biased in any way. That's just me being very literal. Like, that's just the truth. (laughs) They always seem to shake up everybody. Uh, Humans always seem to shake up everybody. So, uh, I I hope everyone is doing well. I hope whoever enjoys this week. I hope you are fruitful, um, whether you're religious or not. Pray for me. <laughs> hopefully, I. Hopefully, I. You know. Hopefully, we do well. Hopefully, us as a community does sensational. So, thank you all so very much. To close it out, the sun is indeed setting. I have been your host, Tuesday, coming to you west of the Rockies in the great southwest state of Utah. Before I go, I would love to leave everybody with a song of the week. I, if, if my memory serves me right, and I hope that it does. I believe I left everybody with a uh, with Love is a Battlefield by Pat Benatar. So, in good fashion, in good faith, since that story came out of, uh, or it happened during 1989, 1990, around there, let's go for another song around that time. And, uh, ooh, let's see. Let's see, what is a good song? You know what? Let's do one of my favorites. One of my all-time favorites. I may not like him as a person, but I will say that this song in particular, I thoroughly enjoy. Let's do Dancing in the Dark by Bruce Springsteen. That will be the song of the week, Dancing in the Dark by Bruce Springsteen. Thank you so much to my thank you so much to everybody. Thank you for everybody for listening. Um please do not be afraid to share the podcast. Let me just end this with these closing words. Do not be afraid to share the podcast. I actually spoke uh, to somebody I know personally, who said, hey, you know, I know you say on your podcast not to share it with people, or, you know, you don't have advertising, so I didn't want to tell anybody, and I'm like, no, 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 if you want to tell, like, I can't control you, if you want to tell people about this show, tell them, go ahead, please, go ahead and tell them, that is no bother to me at all, um, there's nothing wrong with that, if you feel like I really want to share this with my friend, but I don't know, that's all on you. you know, but don't feel scared to share my show. So I just wanted to say that as we're talking to that um, to that uh, um, acquaintance of mine, don't be don't be scared. don't be scared to to share it. I would really appreciate it. So thank you so much. Remember, Song of the Week: Dancing in the Dark by Bruce Springsteen. Thank you so much, everybody. Wherever you are, wherever you may be, hope you have a great morning, great afternoon, good evening, and hope you have a good night. This has been Conversations at Midnight, and I have been your host Tuesday. Thank you so much.